We affirm that all civil authorities have a duty before God to uphold justice by establishing equal protection under the law for all image bearers of God from the moment of fertilization, which is conception. We affirm that civil authorities must reject all partiality in judgment by asserting the same legal prohibitions and available sanctions against homicide that exist to protect persons after birth and persons before birth. That's the first part of Article 9, which is uh, headed Imago Dei and Equal Protection. It's part of the Christian, the, uh, the, what's it called again? The, the Statement on Christian Nationalism and the Gospel. And uh, we've been working through this, and we're heading down the home stretch now. This will probably be our last show on this topic, I think, on the faith debate. Um, we started this whole series of shows with, it was me and David Forsey, and then we had Daniel Rasby join the fray. And now it's just me and Daniel. We scared David Forsey off. So this show is just me and Daniel to try to finish this out. Let me finish reading the denial, by the way. By the way, you can find us online, uh, connect with me, and, and therefore through with Daniel if you want, and David Forsey and, and Imran Razvi as well by going to householdoffaithinchrist.com. That's householdoffaithinchrist.com. Of course, you can go to the radio station's website as well, wfmd.com. I encourage you to do both. They both serve different functions. And uh, Daniel's family, they have a ministry as well online at conqueredbylove.org. So uh, let me finish reading this. It's just a short denial that, that is part of this article, and then we'll have discussion about it. That it says, we deny any law which classifies as abortion as a lesser crime than homicide or which allows any class of humans to murder preborn children with legal immunity is a just law. Uh, let me just say this. Is it possible that this is the best part of the entire document? Is it possible? Yeah, I think it might be. Because this is like... Punch you in the nose, straightforward, bang, it's murder, conception, fertilization, mm-hmm. I mean, it's homicide, you know, I mean, they are, they're, they're firing all cylinders on this I would, I would say there is a difference between homicide and murder. Okay, so that they... There so, is, and, and, and that's the unfortunate part, I would say it's not strong enough. Okay. And this is my legal, my law Yeah, law, I don't know uh, the difference, background. inform me. So homicide is the killing of a human being by another human being. Okay. Murder is the intentional killing of another human being with malice. So murder is a lot stronger than homicide. If you are uh, walking out your door and you trip on your uh, uh, neighbor who's walking in front of you and, and he falls down and, and he dies, hits his head and dies, that's homicide. You haven't intended anything. You aren't probably even going to go to jail for that. Okay? That's not murder. Now, what's the difference between a homicide murder. that goes to jail? Like, is there a is there a homicide, homicide just be- means homicide just means the cause of death was somebody else, a person. But do we does a person, let's say, in our current government, would a person go to jail for homicide and not murder? Like, is no. there a level no, of there's, homicide? There's different levels of homicide that are illegal and both and legal and legal because there's justifiable killings. Right. Right. So if I if you're attacking me and I shoot you, that's self defense. Now I've still committed homicide, but I haven't murdered you. Because it's a justifiable homicide. So, so ho- all homicide means is somebody died, and the cause of death was not natural cause. It was it was another person. Like when I watch right? Law and Order or something. So you know, there's there's murder, murder. There's and manslaughter. There's manslaughter is less, but there's also intentional manslaughter. So, so there's first degree murder, second degree. All murder, of those are homicides. All of them are homicide, and then there's also homicides that aren't even illegal, like self defense, for example, right? So I don't think that simply collapsing abortion as homicide solves anything, because all you're well, you're admitting that it's a person and saying, okay, well, if you kill them, then you commit homicide. 
homicide. But then the abortion activists are just going to say, oh, well, yeah, but then but we're justified. We can kill them because our life is more valuable. Our health and emotional state is more valuable. So I would I would say hmm. it's not that precise enough. Do you think that's just they don't know? Like, I don't know it's what the words mean? It's possible that they don't know, but I think it's a really big thing to miss uh, because there are plenty of justifiable homicides. And what they should be saying is that any law that classifies abortion as a lesser crime than first-degree murder would be yeah. unjust. Yeah. Um, because th- if they're going to do that, though, then I think that because uh, uh, abortion can be defined and understood slightly differently, too. So I think you'd want to clarify what abortion is, what abortion is, because the, the way it's real termination of a life, because the, the way world. it reads now, maybe I would be OK. Maybe you would be, too. I don't know. You tell me if they were to replace homicide with manslaughter, because some understandings of abortion would qualify as an abortion but not necessarily a murder like i i do something to a woman that causes her to lose that baby but i didn't have malice but still i'm guilty of having that child right so that's right. in our context it'd be a man so i'm wondering if that would solve right. it otherwise right. you gotta go through really defining yeah, yeah. abortion i don't that's know that's true that's true so it, uh, maybe the, what they're saying is uh, and i agree with the statement right so that if if it happens to be a lesser crime than homicide, then yeah, surely. I, I, I and and I guess there are homicide crimes, right? And so what they're saying is maybe some of it would be murder, some of it would be manslaughter. There'd be plenty of women, certainly in the years immediately following such a big ban. I think they would, they would say is- they would they would claim, hey, I didn't believe it was a baby, so how can I have how can I have intended to kill my baby if I didn't think it was a baby? And as as right. you're educating me here, I feel like maybe their mistake here is. They're saying a lesser, uh, as a lesser crime than homicide when homicide isn't even a crime. Right. It's a category of killing, but it's not necessarily a crime. Right. And then you got to decide, is it a justified homicide or an unjustified? And if it's right. And so, yeah, homicide's so the guess, wrong word here, I guess it sounds the, like, to me. I guess, well, it, it, it's, there's multiple steps, right? Because the first step is to say that if a baby dies because somebody else caused them, that is homicide, right? It's not no different than killing them when they're outside the womb, killing them when they're inside the womb. Then once you establish that, then you get to the, the point of, hey, was the killing justified? And, yeah. And, and it, or, or is it illegal? And if, if it's illegal, how should it be punished? Yeah, and, they're talking up in the paragraph above, too, about available sanctions against homicide. They use it a second. I think that they're using homicide in a way that is not legally precise. Right. And so that would be an area for them to improve that, use a better legal, stronger, more definitive word there. So, okay, good catch. But it certainly sounds... So, therefore, this to, is not the best part of the document, maybe, right? Because there's But as you really, mentioned, it certainly sounds to the layperson as if this is a really... And it does say mur- they're not staying away from murder, right? Because they say, or any class of humans to murder preborn children with legal immunity. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they're using the word murder. They're not shying away from right. that. So they just, I think this was just them... Mm-hmm. knowing about as much uh, about these legal things as I do, which isn't really all that much. They needed you in the room <laughs> to help them with this. You could have strengthened it. But I, I do respect where they're going, coming from with there. And, and I, I wish they would have gone one little step further and say that they want to actually hold everyone involved in that accountable and not particularly the doctor, so-called doctor who, kill, uh, who, right. who does it. Because the woman who is uh, going along with it and the boyfriend or the husband that's encouraging it, and all these other people are their accomplices, and they're the hitmen that are high, or, they're, or the or the the contract uh, putting that, putting out a hit on the baby, right? So they are they do need to be held accountable to the same extent as murder. Yeah, and they're not limiting the doctors. They're not they're not limiting it. I'm just saying because the pro life movement by and large explicitly limits it only to doctors and will not even hear of a woman ever being punished. I think they could have gone farther in here and say, hey, we clarify that that's actually the biblical position.
Yeah, that's some infighting on the uh, so-called conservative side of things these days. Mm -hmm. well, we're down to the last uh, article. Look at that. Article XX, Dosakis, that's uh, 20, mm -hmm. on quote-unquote neutrality and the separation of church and state. So here's what they say. We affirm that the church and the state each possess their own sphere of influ influence. Uh, for example, church officials ought not to write or enforce civil laws in their capacity as church officials, and civil officials ought not to administer church ordinances or dictate doctrine in their capacity as civil officials, even though both spheres are under the absolute authority of Christ. And in the denial, we deny that the separation of authority between the church and the state means that there must be a separation of God and the state. We further deny that there can ever be a separation between religion and state as everyone possesses views about ultimate reality, purpose, and cause, which inform their morality and preferred policies. We deny the idea that a nation's laws do not impose morality and religion. And they offer just one scripture proof text on this one, which is interesting. But anyway, I don't have anything to say about that one. I, I do. Um, oh, okay. So first well, of good, because we have something to talk about. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at the reference since they said, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. That's that's what they're saying. There is no way to separate. Um, okay. Because if you're yeah, not... Matthew 12, yeah, verse Matthew 30. 12, 30. So that, this whole last section, right, they're making a great point. I, I love that they're saying this. There can't be separation because everyone possesses views about ultimate reality, purpose, and cause which inform their morality and preferred policies, right? And so he, uh, let me tell you a story. So uh, back when I used to care more about voting than I do now, when I thought it mattered more than, it, than I do now, uh, I, I, hear you. I would I, I routinely, and I still do, because I, I, I still uh, like going through the motions of this. I, I look up, when we're getting close to the election, I look up all the different candidates for all the different offices, from school board and mayor all the way up to president, right? And... I call them and I try, if at all possible, to speak to the person or representative of the campaign that can speak on their behalf, but as, whenever possible to speak to the actual person. And I ask them a few questions. The first question I always ask them is, what are your views on abortion? And I want them to tell me. And there have been plenty of times when a candidate, especially a candidate for smaller, lower level office like mayor or county council or a school board, they'll say, well, what does that have to do with my position? Or, or they'll say, well, I'm not going to answer that because that has nothing to do with my position. Or they'll say, well, my personal opinion is this, but I don't even understand why you're asking the question. And my response is, that's the entire point, right? Because they may say, what, what, what you think about abortion, it, it shows what your worldview is, and it informs how you're going to respond to every other possible law. So I don't really care that... Yes, as mayor, are you ever going to be called up to vote on whether abortions are allowed in the city of Frederick? No, because the state has preemptive authority on that by the laws the state has already passed. Okay, so can you, in your position as mayor, ever prevent babies specifically from being killed in Frederick? Maybe not in that, in that particular position. I don't really care. I care what you think about it and what you would do if you were if you were elected dictator, what you would actually do about abortion. Because yeah, it will inform other decisions. Exactly. Also, they might progress up the ladder and get in state office or yeah. national office it, of some sort. And sure. Because sure. they might be so important in, in but the even so-called elections. But even in yeah. that smaller office, right? He that is faithful in little is going to be faithful in much. Yeah. Right? That's what is really, really important to know what your worldview is. And yes, it does matter. You cannot be unbiased. It is not possible to be unbiased. And that's what the, 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 the news media is very famous for having this problem. They all like to pretend to be unbiased, 
And when we, in reality, they're either liberal or they're conservative or they're something else if there's another category you can think of. But they're not neutral. Neutrality is – and they're, they're talking about neutrality if government is not possible. Neutrality if anything is not possible. Right. Either for me or, or with me or, or against me, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you can't just be – Either gathering or scattering. And, but even if you want to be objective about something, like if I'm a judge, right, I might have my own preconceived notions about you or your case or whatever, but I'm, my responsibility is to look at the case and review it and then apply what the law is regardless of what I think. But what I think does actually matter, right, even if I had to follow my job, what I think because that matters the way I act and comport myself in every yeah. area of, my, of life. So I, that's not a disagreement with the statement. I'm, I'm just glad that they put that in there, and they could have expanded on it slightly more, but it's, it's, it's great. So I, I'm happy. Now, in the interest of fairness, we've done a whole bunch of shows on this statement that's pushing Four. forward the Christian nationalism argument. In fairness, we're going to spend 10 or 12 minutes. <laughs> in fairness, though, to us, it's a short statement. Christians against Christian nationalism statement. Uh, it's, it's basically a page. Uh, the other one was like a dozen pages or something. This is like a page. Or maybe it was at least a dozen. Maybe was it a dozen? It's ten. It's ten pages. The other one was ten pages. This is basically a page. It says, we believe that Christian nationalism threatens our faith and country. Wow. Okay. It says, join us and stand up to Christian nationalism. So the statement says, as Christians, our faith teaches us everyone is created in God's image and commands us to love one another. So far, so good. As Americans, we value our system of government and the good that can be accomplished in our constitutional, here's the first problem, democracy. <laughs> it's a representative Republican form of uh, government. It's a representative democracy, if you want to use that word, but that's a buzzword among the, the leftists. So yep. that tells you something. Today, we are concerned about a persistent threat to both our religious communities and our democracy. Oh, I forgot the constitutional word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Christian nationalism. This is what they're coming it's after. A them. threat, huh? Yeah, it's a threat. So Christian na nationalism, they say, seeks to merge Christian and American identities. That might be fair. Uh, they go on to say, distorting both the Christian faith and the America's constitutional and oh, and America's constitutional democracy. They love that word. Christian nationalism depends demands. Uh, demands. Hello, demands Christianity be privileged by the state, and implies that to be a good American, one must be Christian. Well, I would say to be a good anything, you must be Christian, <laughs> because there is no one that's good, not even God, not even one, except Christ. And if you're a Christian, that means you have Christ in you. So that's the only way to be good at anything. Now, here's the part that the Christian nationalist statement was trying to address, but they didn't tell us why. It often overlaps, Christian nationalism does, uh, so they say, with it overlaps with and provides cover for white supremacy and, quote-unquote, racial, they didn't put the quote, I'm putting the quote-unquote, racial subjugation. We reject this damaging political ideology and invite our Christian brothers and sisters to join us in imposing this threat to our faith and to our nation. I am sorry. I, as you know, I am on record how many times now. I am not on board, at least not fully, with this whole Christian nationalist thing. I had a lot of things to push back on with the nas Christian nationalist statement. I'm not, I mean, in some contexts, okay, fine, I'm a Christian nationalist. In other contexts, no, I'm not. So I'm not, I'm not really, really talking about, and yet I got to say this is a straw man they do not go hand in hand. Somebody that calls themselves a Christian nationalism is not necessarily providing cover for well, white supremacy and I, some, quote, unquote, would, racial subjugation. And I would, I would go so far as to say that if you are in believer in white supremacy or racial subjugation, as they as they put it, you're not you, Christian. You're not a Christian. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's that's like that's like saying we're against we're against Christians because Mormons say they're Christians, and I don't like Mormons. 
<laughs> but they're not Christians. So you know, I don't care if they say they're Christian. They're not, right? Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not a Christian denomination. So you can't fight against yeah. that. Now, but I would, I would do wish that the statement we've been spending all this time on might have addressed it a little bit more. And, and I, I, think, I, I have a feeling the reason they didn't is because they wanted to make it clear that it's so ridiculous to have even that accusation brought against them. Right. That it's not even worth responding to. Right. Pishaw, away but with the, you. Yeah. But the problem yeah. is it's being repeated often enough. It may need to be addressed a little better than what yeah. they did. Um, so. so now they get into some, um, you know, a standalone statement kind of thing. We'll just take them a, a few at a time. The funny thing is they don't mention racism at all in the rest of this whole statement. They just make the accusation there without putting any evidence of why. Right. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's it's it, it, it's total <laughs> smearing, straw manning. Uh, it's emotionalism. It, it's, it's all of that. As Christians, we are bound to Christ. Okay. Not by citizenship. You would actually agree with that. But by faith... Mm-hmm. Right. So and this is addressing one of the problems that I have with the whole statement. So they say some a couple of good things here. But now let's see if it continues. We believe that people of all faiths and and none. So is that even possible? Have the right and responsibility to engage constructively in the public square. Nope. So by, by definition, we've argued in the past in recent shows that everybody has some sort of a religion, some sort of a faith driver, right? Well, a right. worldview that they, they buy into. Anyway. But I don't think all all faiths or, or opinions should be uh, allowed to be engaged constructively. No, but the people should be, uh, uh, they have a responsibility at least, right, to try to be constructive in the public square. Whether they accept Christ or not, we would say that they have, the, the you know, if they're practicing a different faith privately, still publicly, they should engage in constructive actions in the public square. So I think we would Depending agree on how that. you define constructive. Yeah, right? well, yeah, we might describe it, describe it differently than the people who wrote the statement do. Right. Patriotism does not require us to minimize our religious convictions. And, yeah, our religious uh, convictions do not allow us to, to be minimized, are allowed to be minimized. Uh, our religious affiliation or lack thereof should be irrelevant to one's standing in the civic community. Well... Uh, irrelevant. But even if you don't embrace the Christian nationalism movement to say that somebody's religious affiliation should be irrelevant, I mean, what if they're a Satanist, right? right. I mean, that's what relevant. they're basically saying is when you go to vote between two people and they both state the exact same priorities, and but one of them is a Christian and the other one's a Buddhist, but they have, both have legislatively the same priorities, there is no difference. It's completely irrelevant what the religion is. No, it's certainly relevant, you know? Yeah, yeah, the ground for what somebody believes is hugely relevant always. Mm-hmm. Government should not prefer one religion over another or religion over non-religion. Um, this is purely secular humanist uh, ideology on on, uh, mm-hmm. on steroids, right? Um, and why? They don't give any references. One thing that's different here is there's no list of Bible verse references. And this I'd be last willing, statement had like hundreds. Yeah, and I'd be willing to bet that uh, you know people who uh, wrote this would lean in a secular humanist direction, and that's a religion, and they would and they would argue that the government should favor that <laughs> religion. But anyway, religious instruction is best left to our houses of worship, other religious institutions, and families. I actually. Don't disagree. And neither does the other statement, actually. They say that, too. Yeah. (laughs) America's historic commitment to religious pluralism enables faith communities to live in civic harmony with one another without sacrificing our theological convictions. And I would—are we running out of time? No, no. We got about three or four minutes. Okay. So So I will say just real quick on that, that is a a misunderstanding of history, as we've discussed on this show before, because our historic commitment to religious pluralism just— Religion used to be defined as different denominations within Christianity, 
And so that's the pluralism that's allowed, not other faiths besides Christianity. Now, it looks like we have three or four more, so we might have just enough time to squeeze these in and wrap this whole thing up. Conflating religious authority with political authority is idolatrous and often leads to oppression of minority and other marginalized groups, as well as the spiritual impoverishment of religion. I feel like that's argument by mere assertion. I, I mean, there's no, like you said, there's no scriptural proof texts. There's nothing to flesh this out. They're making a claim, and it just... It's what it's it's true uh, on the face of it. Mm-hmm. No, I would say no. It's definitely not um, true on the face of it. So, right. And you have anything else you want to add there? Should no. I read the next one? Go ahead. We must stand up to and speak out against Christian nationalism, especially when it inspires acts of violence and intimidation. Wow, do they project something into there that the Christian nationalists would never embrace, right? They're inspiring acts of violence and intimidation, including vandalism, bomb threats, arson, hate crimes, and attacks on houses of worship against religious communities at home and abroad. Nobody that I know that's legitimate advocating for a Christian nationalist idea is getting bomb threats any of those things right i mean this is total emotional manipulation is what this is Uh whether we worship at a church mosque synagogue or temple america has no second class faiths all are equal under the u.s constitution as christians we must speak in one voice condemning christian nationalism as a distortion of the gospel of jesus and a threat to american democracy um by the way you want to know who organized this campaign give you a, a, a couple of quick ones. A group of Christian organizations that came together to try to put this together, and there's a bunch of endorsers uh, that signed off on it. The uh, The website and the campaign for this is organized and managed by BJC. I don't know if that means anything to you, but uh, they claim to be a defender of faith freedom for all. Uh, it's the uh, BJC is the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, and it is a leftist group. So even though they have Baptist in their name, uh, I don't think that most Baptists would want to claim them as their own. But this includes um, somebody who's a coordinator with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. That's a very uh, leftist, uh, again, Baptist group. Uh, The Catholic Social Justice uh, Group. Uh, Tony Campolo, I don't know if you know that name, but he's uh, way to the left. The Episcopal Church uh, has people uh, who are endorsers. The social Justice Movement. Yeah, the United Church of Christ, uh, the ELCA, uh, the, the PCUSA. I mean, people who know some of these things. Doug Paget, if if, if, if Jim Wallace. The, uh, these, and there's a lot of female pastors. A lot that, of female names. If you know some of the names, if you're kind of on the inside and you recognize these groups and some of these names... Uh, yeah, you mentioned females. Paula Dempsey, Elizabeth Eaton, Sister uh, Simone Campbell, Diane Randall, Melissa Rogers, Amanda Tyler. And there's nothing wrong with women. PCUSA, there's somebody from PCUSA. Yeah, but what I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of people who are ideologically, politically, and religiously to the left. And I don't care so much about their politics, but their theology is not biblical. And so that's who's behind this. That does not mean you should support Christian nationalism just because those that are concerned about it are not biblical. But the way they've argued, it's 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 not a Christian argument, it's not a biblical argument, and I mean, I, I, we kind of re- rushed through it because, to be honest, it doesn't deserve a whole lot of time. But anything you want to say and finish? We got about thirty seconds. Anything you want to say to wrap up? Or no, no, I think that's that's good. I, mean, I I wouldn't agree necessarily with the whole of the original statement, but it was definitely a lot better crafted than this response. We can both agree that this response is totally awful. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it, you know, ultimately, we do have our citizenship in heaven, so we always keep that focus, but that our morality should inform how we act everywhere in life, including in government. 
And that's going to put a wrap on the entire Christian nationalist thing that we've been doing now for many, many weeks, a couple, two, three months, whatever it's been now. It's been a long time. Um, what we're going to tackle next time, I have no idea, but I will soon enough. And um, it, it'll be something that probably veers away from the whole statement things. So maybe it'll be some hot topics or some theological uh, divisive kinds of questions that we can go to war over. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to The Faith Debate. Thank you to Daniel Rasby for being part of today's show. I'm Troy Skinner. You can find us and connect with us online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Of course, you can follow the show online at wfmd.com. We'll be back next week at the same place, the same time. Till then, 167 and a half hours from right on now. God bless.